You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, hey there, Victory Church. I am so blessed and honored that I get to bring the word of the Lord to you today. I want to thank Pastor Ed and Pastor Lisa for giving me this opportunity to share this pulpit, and it is an honor for me. So thank you, Pastor Lisa, uh, and thank you, Pastor Ed. Um, We are in an awesome series, aren't we? We're in a series called The Big Story. I don't know about you, but I love telling stories. I, I think uh, it's it, like ingrained in my family. We love telling stories. I don't know if that's like a shock to most of you that know me, but I love it. I love being able to tell stories. And I want to preface this next story because I'm going to tell a story. Obviously, we're, we're in a story series, so I'm going to tell a story. But I want to preface this story by saying I tell a lot of stories about my childhood. And some of you have come up to me and said, oh, Pastor Jake, you have such a sad childhood. And I want to let you know that I had a great childhood. I had a happy childhood. I was a happy kid. I would not change my upbringing at all. Um, But with that being said, I'm going to tell you another kind of kooky story about when I was a kid. Um, In the 80s, there were two toys that mattered to a boy. There were two toys, only two toys. And if you say Cabbage Patch Kids, We can't be friends anymore, all right? Because Cabbage Patch Kids are not part of that. The two toys that I'm speaking of are G.I. Joes and Transformers. That's what boys wanted in the 80s, and that's what we all asked for. We wanted G.I. Joes, and we wanted Transformers. They were the toys to get. And so every holiday that came along, I asked for either G.I. Joes or Transformers. If it was Christmas, my birthday, Flag Day, it did not matter. I wanted a G.I. Joe or a Transformer. Well, one day, one birthday that I had, we went to my grandmother's, who we called Mamu. We went to Mamu's house, and she had a gift for me, and she was really excited to give it, and I was really excited to get it. And so I finally ripped open the packaging, and to my surprise, I see the logo that every young man wants to see at that time period. It was the Transformer logo, and I was so excited. I was jumping up and down, and my grandmother, oh, she was so sweet. She was like, is that the right toy? Is that what you were looking for? And I said, yes, yes, Mamu, you were were magnificent. I can't believe you got me this toy. Thank you so much. And I opened it up, and I was so excited. And then it happened. And I I, want to tell you, this is a true story, because you're going to think that I've made this up. But I started to transform this transformer. And you know what a transformer is. It's a robot that turns into something. Usually they turn into something interesting, like a car or an airplane. One of them turned into like a toy gun and, you know, all these different things. Well, I transformed this robot And what it turned into was a giant foot. I kid you not, it turned into a foot. And I I had to double take because I was like, what is this foot for? Why am I, why is a transformer, what's the purpose of this foot? So I went and got grabbed the packaging out of the garbage because I had to see why am I, you know, what is what what am I doing wrong? Maybe I, you know, turned it wrong or something. And I look on the back of it. 
And it's a part of a five-piece set of transformers that makes a bigger transformer. And I only got the one piece. I got the foot. And so my grandmother, sweet, sweet Mamu, said, well, maybe if you ask for it, maybe you can get the complete set on Christmas from other family members or other birthdays or things like that. And, I, and you know, I, I wanted to be nice to Mamu. I didn't want her to feel bad about getting me a foot for my birthday. So I, I agreed with her and I said, yes, Mamu, you're probably right. I probably will get those things for my birthday. But let me tell you, Mamu was dead wrong, dead wrong. I did not receive the rest of that transformer. I only got the foot. I'm still salty about it now. What good is a foot alone? Okay, <laughs> all right, I know this is really dumb, I know. And it really wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I had fun with this toy as a kid. I loved this toy. I played with it a ton. But I use this story to illustrate our topic of conversation today. And that is the story of us. And I, I think that's a popular television show like from, uh, from a few years back, but that's not where we're going to go today. Um, today, our story is going on the quest for the full set. That sounds like a, a good title for a book, right? Um, but it's the story of us. And so let's look to the word of the Lord today. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians 4. Um, we're going to start with verse 1. But before we get in, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word Open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to what you have to say. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're looking in Ephesians 4, and we're starting with verse 1. This is what it says. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Be humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, always keep yourself united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. We are all one body. We all have the same spirit, and we've all been called to the same glorious future. There is only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is only one God and Father who is over us all and living through us all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift according to the generosity of Christ. And this is why the scriptures say, when he ascended into the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice how it says he ascended. This means that Christ first came down to the lowly world in which we live. The same one who came down is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so his rule might fulfill the entire universe. Amen. He is the one who gave us these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ, then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like a truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. 
so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. So now you see why I uh, told that story. Our Christian walk is not a lonely trek into the sunset. And what I mean, it's not meant to be just you, God, on an action buddy movie. As cool as that sounds, it's not what we were created to be. It's a story of us. You are only part of the bigger picture. Maybe a transformer foot, I don't know. But we are built to be stronger together. We are going to have differences. We're going to have differences of opinion. We're going to disagree on occasion. Shocking, I know. People are going to let us down. People are going to let you down, but that doesn't and shouldn't stop us from binding together with cords that can't be broken. The local church is the hope for the world. And it can only be that way if Jesus Christ is the center of our lives, our church family, and our vision. Not a political agenda, not our thoughts or perception of what we think the church should look like, but only Jesus as the center. So a few years back, I attended a youth conference in Oklahoma, and I remember walking through the door and seeing these bright lights on the stage, seeing a sea of skinny jeans, flannels, uh, pointy dress shoes, and beards, mountain man beards. And I thought, what have I gotten myself into? I remember I had my arms crossed the entire worship service thinking, this is really flashier. They should have done this, or they shouldn't have done that. And they should have greeted me this way. And wow, that real pre-service uh, conversation was really awkward and choppy. And it felt really disconnected and so on and so on and so on. And then the speaker, as we sat down, the speaker got up and he said these words. He said, shut your cynicism off and allow yourself to be changed and your heart to be moved. I was like, dang, I didn't know we coming along that far in technology that he could read minds. No, I'm just, obviously he couldn't, but he knew that's the way we're wired now culturally. We are wired to close off, step back, and judge. When we are called and created to open up, press in, and love. And so today, I'm gonna ask of you the same thing that this pastor asked of me. Shut your cynicism off today. Allow God to do a work in your heart. Stop scrutinizing. Stop trying to figure out what you're going to have for lunch or dinner today and be here now. Be in the moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. When's the last time that you've attended church, walked into church and asked God to change your heart from the moment you came in? How can we have open hearts to Jesus when we're too busy judging or mentally wandering? So I'm going to ask you, wherever you are right now, I'm going to ask you to posture yourself. Put your hands up just for a moment. I know it might feel awkward to you for some people. It might not feel awkward, but I'm going to ask you, put your hands up. Because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to change us today. So let's do that together. Holy Spirit, fill us today. Help us receive what you have to say. Move our hearts and change our lives. Don't let us leave here the same way we came. Amen. Together, 
That's the theme word of the church and maybe the theme word, you know, theme word for today. Our passage calls us in, uh, to unity, but it's not by our own means. It calls us to unity through the Holy Spirit. So, okay, let's pause for and reflect for a moment. No one here uh, or outside of here is exempt from personal prejudices. It's just, it's a simple fact. We all have our own personal prejudices. And that's not just relegated to race and gender, which are super hot topics right now. But it's safe to say that every person in their own right has the ability to be a stubborn idiot, right? I mean, when it boils down to it. Why am I saying this? Because we can call for unity until we're blue in the face. Politicians on either side of the aisle can say they're going to unify our nation. Our kids' cartoons can say that it's really great to be unity. Unity is good. But none of them matters if we don't unify in the Holy Spirit. It's not true unity if it doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. And outside of the Spirit of God, it can't and won't last. It's just a fact. Does that make sense? Our sinful nature will always get in the way. Yes, the Holy Spirit can use us. The Holy Spirit can use you or I to uh, bring unity, but it has to be the Holy Spirit through us. Not, uh, yeah, he's, he's somewhere over there and um, he'll jump in if we get off track in our quest for unity. And it sounds ridiculous, yet we have the proclivity to keep the Holy Spirit at arm's length because he's the, he's the weird one who makes us do weird things, right? It's not really a fair assessment of who the Holy Spirit is, but true to our nature nonetheless. I know this because we see so much division and polarization around us. Outside the Spirit of the Lord is chaos. But even bigger for us to understand is that if we want to see unity, we have to gather together and be filled. Church, I hope you agree that now more than ever, our world needs to see a unified church. We need it. This might be an unpopular opinion, but unity comes by corporately interacting with each other, praying and spurring each other on to acts of good works. Unity comes by unifying kind of implies uh, that we have to be together, right? We can't have unity alone. And what happens when we come together in unity? We become iron that sharpens iron. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And we begin to see our world differently through the eyes of Jesus. We begin to act counterculturally. When we unify in the Holy Spirit, we worship together. We learn together. We fellowship together. We serve together. We love together. We share together. We, collab- uh, we celebrate and suffer together. We sing together we give together when we unify as a church we become a family we are bound together by the gospel and the gospel should transform of our idea of sunday morning worship from a thing of monotonous duty to one of delight the holy spirit changes our story from me to we if our worship is something that should exist in our lives all week which it is Sunday shouldn't be a chore to get out of the way. It should be a community response to God's glory and beauty at work in our lives. If our whole purpose of going or coming to church is to get our needs met, 
we have a big problem. The truth is, if we're part of a body, we have a responsibility to the entire body, not just to our own needs. If we love Jesus, we should be committed to his whole church. God doesn't call us to be spectators. He calls us to invest. Uh Uh-oh, pulling your toes. God calls you to invest. I have eight brothers and sisters. We are Irish. We fit the stereotype of being pugnacious people. We fight each other like cats and dogs. But when push comes to shove, we love each other despite all of their flaws. See what I did there? I said their flaws. (laughs) Listen, I'm like Mary Poppins, all right? I'm practically perfect in every way. So all you haters out there, get off it. But seriously, we have each other's backs. Loving the church is not always easy. Sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we say thoughtless or discouraging things. Sometimes there's conflict. Sometimes we offend one another and sin against each other. But in spite of all this, we are still the family of God. And that means we choose to pursue forgiveness, reconciliation. We choose to pursue peace with each other. Ephesians tells us that we forgive each other's faults. Some translations say offenses. What what a novel concept. Forgiving someone when they offend rather than cancel them out. Hmm. My mother always told me you can't always help what offends you, but you can help how you respond. And all these things are good for us to understand, but the biggest thing we can do to find unity, but typically neglect, is prayer. Unity in the church depends on praying for each other and for our world. Let me ask you this. Do you pray outside of yourself? And what I mean by that is, do, we, do you pray for others and for things that don't directly affect your circumstances? Do you spend time on those prayers that are outside yourself? Craig Rochelle, a pastor, uh, puts it this way. He says, if God said yes to every prayer you prayed in the last week, what would be different in this world today? Think about that. Church, we need to move from me to we in our prayer lives. Do you pray for your pastor? Do you pray that he would have encouragement and discernment and boldness and compassion? Do you pray for your life group leaders? Do you pray for the tired college students or the dad who's chronically ill or the big family in our church that needs help? Or do you pray for God's building to build and grow our church for his glory? Do you pray for the finances of our church? Do you pray for the missionaries our church supports? Do you pray for spiritual growth? Do you pray for joy? Do you pray for unity? Do you pray? Do you pray? Do you pray? Do you pray? Church, do we pray? I think we need to take a moment to pray right now. I think we need to take a moment to pray for our pastor, for our church, for our nation, for each other. Let's do that. Wherever you're at right now, posture yourself. We're going to pray. We're going to bring our church to the Lord in prayer. Let's do that right now. Father God, we thank you for our church. We thank you for victory. We thank you that you have brought us together as one body to glorify you, God. 
God, be glorified in our church. God, begin to speak and fill Pastor Ed and Pastor Lisa. Continue to give them boldness. Continue to give them vision for our church. Continue to give them compassion for the lost. God, we pray that our church can be a beacon for this area. God, we pray that we can hold each other up, hold each other accountable, give each other encouragement. God, that we are bind together with cords that cannot be broken. God, build this church. God, help us to be a force to be reckoned with. God, thank you so much for the opportunities you've given us. Continue to bless this church. In your name we pray. Amen. The gospel doesn't save us so we can be loners. No Christian can do their own thing. We need the church because Jesus gave us the church. Let that sink in. The church is a gift from Jesus. It says in the Bible that we're the bride of Christ. Jesus gave us the church. You need the church because it's your spiritual family. No one is an island. Our story of being called to unity requires humility. It requires gentleness. It requires patience. And it so happens that those are fruits of the Spirit. Signs that you are spending time with the Holy Spirit. So if we unify, it doesn't stop there. We also grow together. Ephesians 4 says we need to grow in maturity so we can meet up to the full stature of Christ. And you know what that means? That means you are responsible for your spiritual growth and for the spiritual growth of our church. As we grow in our faith and our knowledge of Christ and grow closer to him, we are called to bring each other on along in that journey so that we grow together. This is awesome. We get to be part of a journey. I feel like I'm in Lord of the Rings or something. We keep each other accountable. We encourage each other. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You've been called out of darkness. That is a wonderful word from the Lord. And this goes hand in hand to what we've just read from Ephesians 4, 14. And that says, then we will no longer be like immature, like children. We won't be tossed and blown about like every wind, about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try and trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. In my early 20s, I worked at Blockbuster Video. I worked there for a while. Anybody remember Blockbuster Video? It was a place where you went and you would rent videos. I know it sounds insane. Why would you leave the house to get a video? But that's what I did in my early 20s. I worked at Blockbuster Video. And people would come in and they would ask for movies. And they would describe the movie like this. Oh, you know that movie with the guy and there was explosions and then he'd say some funny thing and the girl would laugh and then it was the end. And I would have to decipher 
what movie they were talking about by that limited description. But I prided myself on being so well-versed in my movie knowledge that someone could give such a brief description like that that I'd be able to find them the correct movie. And I was pretty, pretty solid on that. And so uh, I, 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 I'd seen so many movies. I could quote so many movies. It was insane. But then I had a point of reflection where I realized I couldn't recall the Bible as easily as I could recall the movies I spent my time watching. And I have very little space. Some of you don't agree with me on this, but I have very little space up here that I would much rather fill with something that matters than something that has zero value with whatsoever. See, friends, our world is crying out for answers to all the pain and all the suffering and all the just complete and total chaos that's going on right now. Turn on the news and you'll see it. And they may not be able to articulate it well like when people describe movies to me, but we know the answer, or at least we should know. See, there's no excuse for us not to grow in our knowledge of the living word of God. There's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. And we say living word of God because these words bring the these words bring life. They literally bring life. And if you believe that, you would make every effort to consume it. And I don't say this to be a jerk. I don't say this to be legalistic. I say this in love because if we're not growing, we are stagnant in our faith. Plain and simple. If Pastor Ed didn't know the word of God, we would hold him accountable, right? Well, given this info, you're called to a royal priesthood. You're held to a high spiritual standard of maturity. And don't misunderstand me. This doesn't mean you have to have the Bible memorized or you have to have your doctorate in theology. But it does mean that you should be able to decipher the truth of the world from the truth of the word. We shouldn't be able to be so easily fooled as Christians. Maybe some of us need to blow the dust off and crack the spine of our Bibles. See, as we see the statistics of biblical illiteracy climb and climb and climb in our country, we got to stop clucking our tongues and start consuming the word and start teaching our young people what it is to get in the word of God. I don't know who that was for, but that's for somebody because I got that today. This also means we invite the Holy Spirit to be part of our daily lives. We invite the Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to move us, to mold us. And that's scary because that means we have to give up some comfort and grow up. And some of us are too settled into our comfort. As a youth pastor, I've had conversations with youth like this so many times. Well, I don't want to give my life up to God like that because if I do, he'll call me to the jungles of South America and then I'll have to be a missionary and live in a hut. And insert eye roll right here because honestly, do you really think it's going to boil down like that? Do you really think that you'll invite the Holy Spirit into your life and seconds later you'll be packing your bags and moving to Russia? 
Do you think that that's how the Holy Spirit moves? It's not likely. I'm not going to say that the Holy Spirit won't call you to missions, but I will tell you that when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, your passions begin to change. Your perception of others changes. You begin to hunger for more of the Lord in your life. You stop accepting the status quo and strive for more. You begin to look at your days with hope. And our big story is a story of hope. There is hope for us and there is hope for our world and it's found in Jesus. John 16, says, take heart because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. That means no matter what, Jesus' love and sacrifice for us gives us hope for the future. In verse 4 of Ephesians 4, it says that we can all take part in the same glorious future. And moreover, that we're part of that story. See, earlier in, in, in 1 Peter, it says that we are living stones built into the foundation of his house. And through this, we become something that blesses everyone, the church. See, Jesus doesn't just tell us to go to church, which we've already established is essential, but he is calling us to be the church. And that is a mobile charge. It means we're built into the spiritual house and we become lives that bring hope and love wherever we go because we are transformed into Christ-like people. I need to be frank here. Your spiritual calling is more than being a church seat warmer. Jesus moved from heaven to earth for us, and we can't even move out of our seats. Or sometimes we don't even move into those seats. Church, we need to have a spiritual awakening that says, I can't live in darkness any longer. I can't stand to see others die of hunger when I have riches beyond my fingertips. The gospel message is more than we care to acknowledge nowadays. Let me be just plain as I can. It's not just this great story of love versus hate. It is life versus death. That's how drastic it is. That's how desperate the message of the gospel and of your story really is. Wherever you stand spiritually today, that is your story. Life or death. There's no in between. And if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian today, you hold the knowledge of the foundations of life. What are you doing with it? Time is too short. Our world is too broken. We are called together to unify and do something. I don't know if you've read uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol before. Uh, That is an excellent book. There's probably thousands of adaptations uh, of the of this book in movies you see it around christmas time there's like uh, muppets christmas carol and then there's like serious ones it's like all over the place the spectrum goes from here to there but most people have not read the book and it's a shame because the book has more of jesus in it than hollywood would lead you to believe and there's one part of the story that i absolutely love and it's when Scrooge, he's boasting to Jacob Marley, this ghost, of, uh, this ghost of an old past business friend appears to him and he's telling him to change his life. He's telling Scrooge to change his life. And, 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 and Scrooge is telling Jacob, you were such a great businessman. And he's going on and on. And this is, this is uh, Jacob's response. He says, 
Business, cried the ghost, wringing his hands again. Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. At this time of the rolling year, the specter said, I suffer most. Why did I walk through the crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raise them to that blessed star which led the wise men to a poor abode? Were there no poor homes to which its light would have conducted me? Where is the light of the Holy Spirit conducting you? Are you listening to his prompts? Are you allowing Christ to write the big story of your life? John 13, 35 says, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. This is, this is part of our story. Despite the news, despite our culture, we can love the way Christ intended us for us to love, and it starts here in his church. We can begin to look in the face of our enemies and see our brothers and sisters. A builder doesn't start a project without a blueprint, just like Jesus hasn't started your story without a plan. In the process of your construction, he is building you into his kingdom where you will become the church and the hope he has made you to be. Stone by stone by stone by stone by stone, we are stronger together. And I'll close with this. There was an old hymn that we used to sing back in the day called Onward Christian Soldiers. And it talked about how we would march into battle as the army of the Lord. And one of the lines went like this. Crowns and thrones may perish. Kingdoms rise and wane. But the church of Jesus constant will remain. Gates of hell can never against the church prevail. We have Christ's own promise, which can never fail. Folks, no one marches into battle alone. And God promises victory And we can see it in our story as we march together in unity. We're looking for that full set. If you've never said yes to being part of the family of God, now is the time for you to do it. Romans tells us that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to be part of the Christian family, that's all you have to do. So let's pray this together. If you repeat after me, dear Jesus... I believe you are Lord. I believe you were raised from the dead for my sins. Forgive me. Be Lord of my life right now. I'm yours. Amen. See, now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, you are part of the family of God. You are part of the story of us. And if you did make that decision for the first time, stick around because there's going to be some information for you in a moment that you'd love. we'd love to give you a Bible, we'd love to pray with you, and we have some information for you. So stick around for that. For everyone else, I have one more thing for you, and that is a blessing. So look up to the Lord and receive it. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus, Christ Jesus, that together may with one voice glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Amen. Hey, stick around. We have some more information for you. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Podcast. If this message inspired you, feel free to share it with your friends, family, and social media. And make sure to subscribe to hear future messages from Victory Church. If you'd like to support the mission of Victory, please visit getvictory.net slash give. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day.